0: This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. When we lived in southwestern Minnesota, we we just moved there and we decided we'd get a a black lab puppy for our one-year-old son. And we determined that that lab was going to be an outside dog and and not an inside dog, okay? And and, and we got there in summer, and so summertime outside, that was okay. Fall was okay, but now it's starting to get colder. We got this little puppy, you know, and the puppy eyes and all that thing. And and my father-in-law gave me some really wise advice. He said, why don't you build a doghouse for the dog inside the garage? That way you can use a corner of the garage as two sides of the doghouse, and you only have to build two sides and then put a roof on it. It's like, my man, good idea. Right. That's awesome. So I get some lumber and I cut it and I, I get the hammer and the nails and I construct this thing. And and surprise, surprise. Who knew that someone could mess up two sides of a doghouse so bad? I mean, it was just a horrible creation. I, I, I hope we don't have any pictures of it. You know, it's just pathetic. Well, today, as as Pastor Ben mentioned, we're continuing our our series that we began this new year with, Seeing 2020, because we want God's wisdom. We need God's wisdom. God's wisdom is powerful. It's exactly what we're looking for. And as we began this series and kind of going through it, we saw that the beginning of wisdom is just being in awe of God, being amazed. At God and who He is and and what He does and and what He will do and and then we said you know well that is so we're going to pursue that we want that wisdom and so we we saw that we needed to pray about that we had the task of the ask and and getting hooked on the book being in God's Word and and last week Pastor Ben told us and shared with us this truth right that our our friends really shape our future. And so he led us to to see this, man. If you want to be wise, walk with the wise. Walk with the wise and you'll become wise. And today we're we're going to go on and and we're going to look at the embodiment of wisdom. And I'll explain that a little bit more as we go along. So again, today what we're going to do is we're going to go back to the book of Proverbs uh, in the Old Testament. And then we're also going to connect it up with 1 Corinthians Uh, in the New Testament. All right, so let's dive in. Proverbs chapter 8. It says, I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above, And fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundaries so the waters would not overstep his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. God created the world in wisdom. As you think about creation, what blows your mind? What leads you to go, oh man, that's so amazing. For me, one of those things was a a number of years ago, a handful of years ago, I was able to go to Victoria Falls. Victoria Falls is, is in Africa. It's on the border of Zambia and Zimbabwe. Victoria Falls is actually the largest waterfall in the whole world. And as you see it there, you're just seeing the beginning portion of it there. Okay. And if you've ever been to a big waterfall like Niagara Falls or something, you know what happens, right? The, the water goes rushing over the top, goes down, hits the water down at the bottom, and a mist comes back up, all the way back up. And as you're by those large falls, you know that the water roars. It's just there's this sound. It's, it's hard to talk and be able to be heard. Victoria Falls, to me, is just amazing. The African name... For Victoria Falls, as you think about that water rushing down and bouncing back up, the name in in Africa for Victoria Falls is smoke that thunders. That's just so cool. Such an apt description of that smoke that thunders. You know, I have a quiz for you, a question. How does the water in the waterfalls, how does it never run out? You know, I, 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 I'm sure that some of you know, but man, I don't know. But, but I know this, that the, the first part of it, at least, is because God made it that way in his wisdom, right? Scientists, physicists, and, and chemists have been exploring, devoting their whole lives to figuring out and discovering what God has made in his wisdom. Now, now, maybe to many, it comes as a surprise, maybe just because they haven't really thought about it before. But there was actually gravity before Sir Isaac Newton discovered there was gravity. All right. This, this wasn't a watershed moment for God. All right. He knew it. He had made it that way when the apple fall and he came up with this whole, gra- you know, God knew About that same way as he knew that that apple that fell like all the other apples has carbohydrates and proteins and DNA and RNA and hormones and all that. You know, we figured this stuff out later. God knew about it from the beginning. He created the world in wisdom. Francis Collins, the PhD, he's actually the, the lead on the Human Genome Project. He says, the God of the Bible is also the God of the human genome. His creation is majestic, awesome, intricate, and beautiful. And the Apostle Paul says this in Romans 1, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. So you and I, as as we look at creation, all the vastness of it, all the smallness of it, all the microscopics, the subatomic stuff of that, what we can determine is that God is very creative. God is very kind. God is very powerful. God is very loving, and God is very wise. And we often think of wisdom as something that we might find in this really thick book in the library that has yellowing pages on it. Or something that we can find after we type in a a few words in the Google search bar that we come up with like a half million results in less than a half a second. But when we look into Proverbs chapter 8, we see that in Proverbs 8, wisdom is being portrayed as a person. Listen, I was filled with delight day after day. Rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world, and delighting in mankind. Who is this I? Who is this wisdom? John chapter 1 gives us the answer. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. The I, the, the wisdom in Proverbs chapter 8 is the revelation of God Himself. Wisdom is the person of Jesus. Wisdom is the person of Jesus. And so what was was wisdom, what was Jesus doing at creation time? This is one of the things he was doing. He says, he is rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. So Jesus, who is wisdom, made the world in wisdom because that's who he is. He is rejoicing over creation. He, he is rock star, excited about it. It's like a little kindergartner who brings home her scribbled coloring picture and shows it to mom or dad, only to find out that that picture is refrigerator worthy. It goes up there, right? Jesus is going, this is awesome. And then he looks at mankind, and scripture says that he delights in mankind. That means you. And so you know what it's like when you rejoice in someone, when you delight in someone, when you love someone, when you value someone. You just do things for them because you just can't help them. Jesus delighted in mankind, in you and in me, so much to this degree that he went to the cross. Okay. And when I'm talking about going to the cross, I'm talking about crucifixion. This is this is the most painful, excruciating, horrible, gruesome way to die. He did it because he delighted. And you mean the way of the cross. Understand, you know, we have like pictures and and stuff like that. The way of the cross is the way of blood, the way of pain, the way of sweat, the way of tears, the way of terror, the way of it's so hard to breathe because you're suffocating. And in Jesus' case, his cross was also the place of love and wisdom. 1 Corinthians says this, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. To our sinful nature, the wisdom of God is upside down. For the Jews back in the, the day of Jesus, they wanted a savior. Okay? They wanted a savior, but they had something different in mind than what Jesus said. They wanted a savior, a savior who would come in and kick out their Roman landlords. In our way of thinking today, in our political, you know, powered up culture, it, it would be like they were wanting the savior to come in and kick the other political party out, whichever one that was. Because right? if they were just done away with, then we could live in peace and security, convenience and comfort. It would be all good if, if they just got out of the way. For the Gentiles, when it came to power, they were looking for something that they would exert. You know, Something they could use to press down other people. Something they could use so that other people would have to do what they wanted. For for these Gentiles, they wanted a wisdom that was reasonable, that was logical, that they could discuss, that they could argue out, and to think about that a God, which is how they thought of it, a God would take on human flesh, give up His power, and die. That's just foolish. That's illogical. It's unreasonable. It's insane. There's an NFL quarterback today who is on a a spiritual journey. He's just in process. And and one of the things that he said that is, he's not much for Christianity. Because Christianity in in his mind is is binary. You know, it's it's us versus them and heaven or hell. What this quarterback doesn't understand is that Jesus came so there wouldn't be an us versus them or even an us versus him, us versus God. Jesus came to bring forgiveness and peace between all people. This quarterback says, I I think organized religion can have a mind debilitating effect Because there is an exclusivity that can shut you out from being open to the world, to people and energy and love and acceptance. I don't believe in a God who wants to send most of his creation to a fiery hell. Good. I don't believe in that God either. Right? Right? I don't believe in that God either. The proof of it is the cross. Jesus went to the cross so that no one, no one has to go to hell. I believe in the God who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. The proof is the cross. Scriptures tell us that the the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. The word lost there means ruined, broken, in need of repair. Jesus came for those who are messy, right? Messy on the outside and messy on the inside and messy on both the inside and the outside. So I have a question for you as we think back to the to the Jews of Jesus' days and, and to the Gentiles and, and stuff like that. A question for you is, is Jesus enough for you? Is Jesus in his wisdom enough for you? Or do you need to do something in addition to Jesus to get approval from God? Is the wisdom of Jesus uh, enough for you? Or do you need the approval of other people before you're okay? Is the wisdom of Jesus enough for you? Or are you like the Jews who, you know, you could really go for God's created things more than you could go for God himself. Is Jesus then his wisdom enough for you? Think of it this way. If, if you suddenly became homeless, is Jesus and His wisdom enough for you? If you lost all your talents, all your abilities, all your skills, your status, your position, would Jesus and His wisdom be enough for you? If you lost all your money, would Jesus' wisdom be enough for you. See the, the reason why I ask it is because part of Jesus' wisdom message is for you and me to repent. See, we we can look back on the on the Jews and the Gentiles and go, man, they were nuts. But then we put it into our life and see if if we're honest. Right there, there have been times that we've wanted the things that God can give us more than we want God. There've been times, right? Where we've gone to God and said, why? There've been times we've thought God is crazy. Jesus says, repent. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things Will be given to you as well. See the, the good news for you and me. For as often as, as we've wanted the things of God and instead of God, for, for all the times we've assured ourselves, others, we've assured God that He's crazy. you know what? The cross still remains. It is still the power and the love and the wisdom. Of God. It is by grace that you and I are saved through faith. And so wisdom is the cross of Jesus. God made that cross, that that, that horrible thing, God made that cross the most powerful instrument for good in the history of the world. God made the message of Jesus' cross the most important, the, the most beautiful truth, the most powerful thing, the most wonderful gift that anyone could ever receive. You see, the, the cross isn't a, a set of rules that we have to follow. The cross is a set of rules that Jesus followed for you and me so that we might be saved, so that we might have relationship with God. You see, it's God's good and and loving pleasure that we would be saved by grace through faith. No human effort, no human merit. That way, no one is excluded. Saved by grace through faith. It's not that we have to obtain some high IQ that we have to have some noble and, and flawless character, because if that were the case, no one would or could be saved. But the cross of Jesus demands nothing of us so that the door to God might be open to all of us. The foolishness of the cross is God's power and wisdom for your salvation and mine. Jesus' wisdom. Jesus' wisdom isn't just for the future. That cross isn't just there, just for the future. It also gives us direction for our day-to-day lives. See, as you, you think about Jesus, you see, he didn't come to have a corner office. He came to reach out to those who got pushed out to the corner the marginalized, the sick, the weary, the orphan, the the widow, the hurting, the depressed, the anxious, the weak in, in any way. And so we can hear him from the cross say to us this, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. The wisdom of the cross isn't just for our forgiveness and for the future, it's, it's for our day to day. And so as we look at Jesus, Jesus didn't get into a Twitter war of words. He didn't hold on to some hatred and, and condemnation and judgment quietly, just building in his heart. Instead, we can, we can see him on the cross saying, love your enemies. In a culture where, where we just want a little bit more and a little bit more, we're not materialistic. We just go for a little bit more. To the degree that our, our houses and our garages and our storage units are filled with just a little bit more, we can hear Jesus say from the cross, it's more blessed to give than to receive. The wisdom of Jesus' cross sets you free, 100% free from all of your sins. No ifs, ands, or buts, or whatabouts. The cross of Jesus also sets you free to serve without compulsion, to serve God and others with love and thankfulness. Friends, how? How are you going to walk in the way of Jesus' wisdom this week? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for what you've done for us. We couldn't even begin to do it. Couldn't even begin. We thank you for your wisdom. In your wisdom, you loved us. Lord, we ask that that would Lead us to awe of you. And so, Lord, we ask that as as we go throughout the rest of our lives that that this would be a guide to us. If If it's not from you, if it's not your way, we don't want to do that. Fill us, fill us, Jesus, with you